This week, I tracked down Emma Kernan-Staines, currently Executive Assistant at the Rugby Players Association and the founder of the Sports PA Network. Emma has had an extremely colourful career, from working for the Chief Executive and the Chair of Sport England, and prior to that spending 12 years at the Football Association as the Executive Assistant to Sir Trevor Brooking, one of the most notable and respected public figures in football. She also supported Gareth Southgate for two years. Emma's enthusiasm and passion for her work comes out so strongly, and we hear just how varied and exciting a role in this industry can be. So I'm with Emma. Uh, very excited to have Emma on the podcast today. Um, Emma, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Sun is shining. We're emerging from lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not uh, shining up here. But, um... um it's peaking through. We have the emergence of spring, slowly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and how have you found lockdown generally? Lockdown's been an interesting one for me. Um, obviously, in sport, we've all been hit hard. And I work in rugby, and as a full-on contact sport, we've been hit the hardest, or one of the hardest, um, in terms of our, our players coming together. So it's been really tough. It's been tough on all the organisations. Um, that sit at any point along that chain um, you know the fans can't get into the stadiums so the gate receipts aren't there so they can't afford to pay the staff it, you know it has a knock-on effect any which way you look at it um, yeah. so I was on furlough for seven months um, in the first lockdown and then um, the RPA were able to continue off on my job but I'm on a reduced hours basis, so I'm now part-time. Um, and obviously, it's, you know, it's not quite the same, but everyone's got to, you know, we're, we're all paying the price of this, and I'm grateful to have a job and a job that I absolutely love. So yeah. I have a job, and that's a good thing, um, but I'm, I'm now part-time, so it's, it's different, you know. I'm just sort of getting used to it, really. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I know you've got quite an interesting career background. Uh, I think it would be really helpful if you could just talk through your career today, the different jobs you've done and, and what role you're now in. And I know that there is also a business you have founded. So it'd be good if you could just talk through some of that. Yeah, sure. So I had a wide variety of um, industry experience up to um, 2000. So I was in banking, um, I was in PR, I was in advertising, um, backpack around the world, and then an opportunity arose um, when I was at McCann Erickson, and I was a PA there, and an opportunity arose for a PA role at the Football Association. And whilst I had no football experience, um, the job was such that just really piqued my interest. Um, it was something I could really run with. Um, looking back, it's it's amusing because it was for PA to the head of refereeing, John Baker, absolutely lovely man. But at the time, I was I didn't get the job, and it was the best knockback I ever had because I went in all guns blazing, thinking, "Yes, this is it. This is my this is my year. Fantastic." Um, the FA were just going through a resurgence of identif identification, you know, at Soho Square, it, it was all exciting. And John said, um, as much as we want someone like you in the business, 
the world of refereeing isn't ready for Emma Kernan. And in a way, I think back really fondly at that because having then spent 12 years in a job at the FA, I can see why he said it, and he said it for very good reason. Um, it, shortly after that, I ended up getting the PA role to um, uh, Steve Parkin, the director of the National Game. And then the long and the short of it was he left, so Trevor Brooking came in, and I spent 10 years at the helm of Trevor Brooking. Um, and all of the amazing stuff that we did in football development for, for the decade after that, working with some of the most incredible people in football um, that have and bleed football at their very core. And I'm so proud to have had that experience there because it was really, really a moment in time at Soho Square before we yeah. moved to Wembley. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and once we moved to Wembley, um, whilst I was there and then got given Gareth Southgate when he came in as head of elite development so looked after him as well wow that must have been amazing yeah yeah nicest guys in football then. <laughs> it's not quite a job when you're working with just really nice people yeah oh that's that's fascinating so I'm just going to have to ask what was if you had to pick a highlight of your time at the FA if you had to pick one thing or two things what would they be Oh, gosh. I don't know that there is one or two things. I mean, the whole time, it was just such a colourful experience. Getting St George's Park done and launched was hard, but incredible. And the difference that has made to all levels of football in giving it a home um, has been invaluable, really. I mean, the place is incredible. It's yeah. a real heartbeat of football. And I, I really feel like when I go there, uh, I feel like I'm going home. It's such a lovely place. Um, and seeing lots of other sports go there now, they're booking, you know, their, the, the row of British rowers, I think, recently been there. Um, rugby, you know, it's, it's, it's got yeah. its fantastic facilities for... Yeah. Um, sport so it was a real honor to have worked right from the inception of that project with Trevor getting it through the board yeah. overcoming enormous personnel and financial hurdles along the way I mean when we're talking about jumping through fiery hoops we are literally you know it was ridiculous what we had to go through to get some of that stuff off and live but it was a really amazing achievement I'm really proud to have been part of that so that's fascinating I have been there and it is an incredible place um I think having somewhere like that I used to work at the National Tennis Centre which had an equally amazing feel about it um I want to talk a bit about your role in that in a bit but if you just bring us up to speed with so you worked at the FA as a PA and then personal yeah. I don't know what the the title was but you can and then just what happened after that and and where are you now so i was with trevor as his executive assistant for 10 years i left there when he retired in 2014 i had a short spell at british horse racing um and then went on to sport england as um ea to jenny price who was then the chief executive and nick patel who's the chair um i went there for nearly three years um, and 
that was an amazing, awesome job. I mean, it was awesome in so many ways, really hard, because you're supporting two people who have brains like planets, and you have to keep those two people going. And they're very different people, but they, you know, they, they have many hats. So you're dealing with that person in this role. But for instance, Nick Patel, he's also the chief executive of London Marathon. He also sits on yeah. a number of other boards globally. And you're dealing with all of that. And that's just the chairman, aside from the chief exec. So that role itself was, you know, it was an incredible role. And I learned a huge amount about myself and, um, and organizations from just those two years. Um, and then I left there in 20, right at the end of 2017 and um, as the job came up at the Rugby Players Association. And I was really keen to get back into um, a sport specifically. Yeah. Um, the Sport England gave me a lot, of it, a lot of amazing information about, you know, funding different sports and the, the, the more of the landscape level of it. Um, and I was involved in, you know, the This Girl Can campaign. And, and that, was, that was fantastic to be part of that. But, uh, but to be in a particular sport was, was what was kind of calling me back. So I'm at the Rugby Play Session, been there for three years now. And yeah. I look after Damien Hopley, who's the founder and global CEO, and um, Stuart Monday, who's the COO, and the Player Welfare Director, Rich Bryan. Wow. So I look after those three. Quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Still only three days a week. We're just we're just like getting it all into the to the working week. But I, I really love it. I love supporting people in you know in being the best version of themselves. I love getting into the point of the job, the point of the organisation, having ultimate pride in what you as an organisation are and should be to your people, yeah. our members, our players. Um, mm. And that matters to me. Um, mm. And I think you're going from, you know, normal PA role to an extending that, extending yourself into being like a really excellent role model in that profession. You have to then take it personally. And it's not, I'm not saying, you know, you, you don't have emotion necessarily. You don't have over emotion. In fact, a lot of our job is removing the emotion. It's not about me personally. It's about our players. It's about us as an organisation. What, what is it going to take to make our membership feel better, be better, be better protected, have better support? Um, so, you know, some things will come up in my job, and you, you know, as with any job, and you'll go, oh, really? about you not about you it's about your membership it's about the athlete it's about the player yeah so for those that don't know how would you summarize what an executive assistant is because i know it might it can vary from different organizations but what are the, what what in a nutshell what is that role there to do so the slight difference is well in some organizations it's just semantics i mean my role as PA when I was at PA at the FA to EA, were, it was the same thing, but I was supporting. Trevor was so kind of much more in the hierarchy. His expectation of me, the need of me as an individual was so high um, 
that you are, I was him in an administrative capacity. Yeah. You are making decisions often on his behalf. So it's, it's slightly less about your principal kind of directing you. As an EA, it's much more about you helping to direct them. I'm working with the executive of the organization and helping them to make strategic decisions for the business and achieve the organization's overarching aims and objectives. Yeah. So, so yeah and that's the key isn't it because I think some people might think they're just managing you know if a PA is managing an inbox is managing the calls but actually it's so much more than that it's such a skilled job I mean I've seen in previous roles I've had the personal assistants or the executive assistants are having to be absolutely on it in all areas the strategy they're leading you know leading strategy sessions in some instances and they're having to know the dynamics of the room and preempt issues and troubleshoot crisis management there's so many things that an EA or a PA is asked to do um and I think that's the thing I wanted to really get under the skin of is what from your perspective what are the skills that you think are required, the really key skills that you need to go into this industry? Because it is a big yeah. industry in itself. Yeah, it is. Um, the key skill, to get into my profession, um, the one of the key skills, which you could argue you can learn, emotional intelligence, um, is huge you have to have common sense in abundance um, <laughs> so it's not you know I could sort of sit here as a, with my PA hat on and go oh you need time management and you know sort of uh, influencing skills and all of that well yeah you do but that's just like sort of basic basic level stuff you actually need a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to deal with a whole raft of personalities and team dynamics and cultures that you need to manage at any one time to keep, and it's not just about keeping everyone happy, it's keeping everyone moving forward and in the right direction and, and stakeholder management. Um, yeah. you're, you're managing all of that, you're managing personalities, how information flows. Um, yeah. And information is going to stop if, if people start getting pissed off or if people aren't understanding or if you're not bringing everybody with you yeah. you know check management is often assisted by the PAs in their organizations because it's the PAs that talk to the teams it's the PAs that know the feeling of um the groundswell how are your mm. teams feeling you know um are they feeling positive about this restructure or or mm. is there something more we can do as an organization to help bring people with us um, and so a lot of it is, is understanding the extent to which you have that it sort of influence and, and how you can use that to call people with you. So that emotional intelligence piece is just huge. Um, there, well, I mean, stakeholder management is, is key. You have to understand all of your... Um, stakeholders internally and externally yeah. um, but that's crucial and 
um, what you've said something. Um, crisis management or troubleshooting. No, that's that's kind of more functional areas. But I guess from the um, your previous role, obviously you didn't work in sport before. So what were the things from those areas, those jobs you had previously that really helped you with getting into the sports arena in this type of role? Well, I mean, it's kind of, it didn't help me get into the sport particularly. I mean, the, the job came up and, you know, I went for it. But now I'm in sports and having co-founded the Sport PA Network, it's, it is completely about who you know. And all those connections, reach out, network, because sport is a, is quite small, actually. Mm. Um, yeah. And you find you then cross paths with a lot of people. Um, and it's really important to just, you know, understand your reach, understand your worth, and understand where that can take you, because there are, it's, you know, being able to connect people is yeah. so, so important for, for your growth and for, for their growth. I think once yeah. you start, you know, connecting people, there's so, so much opportunity from it. Um, yeah. Not financial, you know, the, the Sport Play Network is not a, there was no yeah. financial problem ever. It's all run voluntarily. Um, and yeah. you know, it's about sharing best practice. It's about sharing knowledge. It's about being there for our for our members, being there for our friends, people in our profession is really important to me. Um, yeah, a bit like the, the Women's Sport Collective. I mean, it's just, you know, the opportunity that comes out of it is fantastic. The conversations that start happening on a spark because yeah. you've found someone that, you know, thinks the same way as you or has a question that you can answer. I mean, it's just sharing that knowledge is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and so if we go to the, the job itself that you do now, for example, what is a typical day, a typical week in non-COVID world? You know, what does it look like doing the job you do? So in non-COVID world, um, it's sort of similar. There's just some, there's a few slight changes, to be honest. So I look after the diary of um, my CEO. And so his comings and goings, um, the meetings that take place, the introductions that take place, managing stakeholders on his behalf. Um, so being the front face of the organisation with, with Damien is really important and I continue to, to be that person. Um, supporting our CRO with office-based projects. So whilst now, sadly, we don't have an office, um, we are all working from home. The office-based projects that are about the team coming together um, and hopefully looking forward where we can all come together, those um, central projects um, tend to sit back with me from a, from a central perspective. Um, and I look after our welfare director as well. So we have just set up a new welfare advisory board. So I'm secretary to that and I'm also secretary to the player board. Yeah. where we have player reps from all of our clubs um, attend three times a year and um, that is where we are we get our key kind of objectives what we're working to um, as an executive we, we look to the board to make sure that we're working um, on their behalf on the real key things that are important to players right now concussion 
welfare, um, brain health, um, you know, making sure that they're supported in those key transition phases into retirement or unexpected retirement through injury. Um, you know, it's making sure they're protected, all of those, all of those things. Yeah. And so would you say you need to be a real proactive thinker ahead of the ahead of the game all the time you're not kind of waiting for someone to tell you what to do you are being that you're having to drive stuff forwards i guess and that's, that's the kind of one of the differences the paea really but i remember one thing that damien said to me in my final interview he just sat there and went i just want someone who gets it <laughs> and you know, having been in a governing body for 12 years and having worked in sport now for nearly 20 I get it. I get what you need in the organisation. I get that you need somebody who's, it's not just, you know, it's not about being linked to rugby. In fact, it's almost the opposite of that. It's like, I need you to understand rugby, but I need you to also understand the landscape upon which we are working. And that's the political landscape. And obviously there are a lot of politics in sport, as you know, rugby as much yeah. as any sport. But it's all about managing people. And, you know, if there's one thing that not just my PA experience, but historically has given me, is that it's working with people. It's understanding people. The point earlier, which I've just recalled, you know, what, what makes a really key skill in the role, is where I've worked in PR and advertising and banking before. I was always working with the high levels of hierarchy that, that just happened to be my role so I've always been kind of um, exposed to CEOs to the entrepreneurs to those sort of the high level thinkers and strategists mm -hmm. and it's given me a lot of exposure to working with those kind of dynamics often men from the last 20 years hopefully going forward you know yeah. there's going to be a better split of that but yeah i've had exposure to those higher levels in business which has given me a huge amount to to go on you know whether it's gut feel or experiencing or yeah. something that i've you know i've done before that maybe i'm thinking that's not worked you know it's it's all of that all of that lovely stuff that comes with working in lots of different industries it just gives you lots of experience of how different people work how different people there's different dynamics and different teams and um, how yeah. best the best out of people yeah and i think it's interesting because often it all boils down to understanding dynamics and relationships and politics within an organization and actually i remember my first job no one ever told me about any of that stuff so i just thought i had to have my head down and I had to just get through tasks but actually it was so much more than that if you want to progress or you want to do different things it's it's connecting with different people within and out of the organization so I guess it's you've obviously got a lot of experience but to someone who is thinking about getting into this industry specifically you know who is younger maybe it's their first or second job out of university what what would you say to them in in terms of just advice I would say try and get into network through your networks 
nowadays with all of the different platforms we have access to the six degrees of separation doesn't it's not there it's more like three degrees of separation yeah i sit around the dinner table with my family and, and it sounds you know it's a bit embarrassing a little bit because the kids go oh do you watch and such and they're like yeah do <laughs> so how do you know the queen then so i go well i know that because i've met prince william on a couple of occasions so i knew his sort of right hand man and so i could contact him and he's in the so that would be three and then, but if you think about it like that we all have that ability if you really think about how mm. valuable all contacts are um i really think sort of constructively about who you know that could give you a leg up and that's you know get into networking but yeah really focus on what you want out of the role focus on what culture suits you and then you know if they have a specific sport they want to get into for instance you know formula one let's say you know and they they are absolutely hell-bent on working at formula one email them email you know get on their job site look at their vacancies keep on at yeah. them make yourselves positively heard there you know yeah if you're not already in sport you've got to then sort of forge your own way through but make a really tailored and concerted effort to that brand make yourself yeah. known and look at your own contacts how can i get get in there how can i make my contacts work for me you know you've, we're all very quick to check that linkedin box and oh yeah contact you know you accept decline or yeah. make it work for you and if they're not going to yeah. work then you know why are you accepting an invitation from a local chauffeur company if that's yeah. going to work yeah that's a good point no I think that's so right reaching out and not you will get knockbacks but it's if you don't if you don't initiate something you cannot expect nowadays for something to come to you uh, I think that's definitely uh, a really key point and so if we're looking at your job in the sector at the moment so you've got obviously founded the sport PA network but what are the biggest challenges that the, this, that sector faces at the moment obviously COVID, and I'd be interested uh, to hear how that's affected it. Sadly, there are a number of our members who have lost their jobs, and a lot of them have now, they're now working like I am on reduced hours or reduced days. So it's hit the administrative sector hugely because, you know, the very nature of working from home has taken away elements of the role which now organizations feel that they can either do themselves or use ai to do for them um or they you know that that part of the role i.e office manager we don't have an office so we don't need a manager to manage the office do you know what i mean so it's all like definition, it's removed so um it's really sad that a lot of pas and eas have, have lost their role in this um, in this pandemic, um, but what was your sorry? What was the question? Yeah, no, it was really that, no. That's it. It was really around what the, yeah the challenge of the sector at the moment is obviously the redundancies. Do you think? How do you yeah. think it's going to change if you had to look ahead the next one, two, three years? The your role and the need for your role. How do you think it will change? 
Well, it'll be interesting. AI is always one of those things that are that's spoken about always is going to remove the need for PAs and EAs. And I'm quite quite um, emphatic that it won't because I think the emotional intelligence piece of our profession means that it won't remove yeah. what we yeah. do and what we do really well, which is actually second guess, preempt. It's about smoothing the waters it's about adding that personal touch it's about making sure someone else is working to to their best possible version of themselves every day they're going into meetings with everything they need they're going into meetings knowing that actually that person who they're meeting you know really sadly they're they're a close family member passed away a couple of months ago they need to know that i i i mentioned that just be aware of that maybe this is an area not to discuss you know all of those really sort of nuanced levels of conversation that as people we are attuned to and we can prime our you know directors to CEOs whatever to yeah. you know be understanding of these things these are all things that I think technology isn't going to remove in our roles however there are our roles are just going to evolve but they've always evolved you know they've evolved from when we were sort of traditionally i suppose secretaries um to now we're more more, more like business managers you know so yeah. i think it's a bit old-fashioned to think oh because that bit of our job is going to be removed by ai that our actual whole profession yeah. is going to be null and void well that's that's old-fashioned thinking we we're probably one of the professions that have evolved the quickest and the most. I mean, there are a lot of EAs out there who are also HR managers, IT managers, project yes. managers, major budget holders, major decision makers. I know PAs that sit on the board. Yeah. You know, this is it's foolish to think that suddenly their their job's not going to be available just yeah. because they can't diary manage. Yeah. And, and if you're good, you'll if you're good at it as well and you are really capable and push yourself forwards, you're gonna get in, invaluable to an organization um yeah and it may be that the title changes so you become you know it's not personal assistant it is business manager it, 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 you know it is i don't know chief of staff i mean we just sort of chameleons will will merge in yeah. using that intelligence piece to, yeah, to find yeah. exactly what it is we do to best help the organization and that's where we excel it's where we're quite malleable you know i go into yeah. an i'm not really fussed if i'm called a, a pa or an ea yeah. for me you know what's that job look like what's it look and feel like who am i looking after who am i supporting who am i representing that's yeah. what i care about yeah that's really interesting and and if you had to if you had to put out your top three um, pieces of advice for somebody getting wanting to get into these types of roles yeah. What would they be? Um, in okay, so in an EA role, top pieces of advice: know your brand, yeah. know what you are about, and project it everywhere. <laughs> be classy about it. Be clear about it, and you at the end of the day are representing an organization every day so you need to 
you know, be really clear on the values and um, culture of your business, of your organisation. Know your business. Know yourself mm -hmm. and know what you're representing. You know, that's, that's my biggest... Yeah. That's my biggest thing, to be honest. But, uh, I think if you... You know, if you... Anyone that knows me, obviously, you know, I've been in sport for, for a good long time, but it doesn't matter where I work. I'm always really, really passionate about who I'm working for. It matters to yeah. me. They matter to me. It's not just an organisation. They never have been. Um, yeah. It, it's like, this matters to me. And if something wrong happens there, that reflects bad on me. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really up to me to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's knowing, I think that's a really important point around knowing yourself as well, knowing your own brand and what you stand for. And I think that's something that's coming out really strongly at the moment is people are starting to reflect a lot more on what their values are and um, and what their yeah. own brand is. And I don't know if that's the rise in the uh, the virtual world as well. It's becoming kind of more important in some ways, but because you can't have that face to face. So it's how do you build up that that brand of your for yourself you know it's virtual yeah. networking isn't it you having to get behind you know you're, you're losing so much communication yeah. it's just um it's really interesting so what just finally if if where would someone go to look at these types of jobs or what's a what are the good platforms really to, to find out about jobs within so the sector Plenty of um, so with regards to notice, if it's a PA wanting to get into sport, and currently they're in insurance, um, they're in the city. They need to. There are plenty of PA networks um, to join. Um, for instance, there's like um, Westminster PA network, SW1 PA network. There's a PA network for um, Parliament. There's a PA network for um, different areas of London there's often PA networks in different areas of the country um, executive secretary um, has you know get on, on LinkedIn they've got space there's the executive and personal assistance association which is phenomenal you know there's lots of places people can go to get more information and join and start being part of those conversations um, to just you know get into those where there might yeah. be other PAs in sport to then get into the sport but it is really important to be looking at there's, there's no point in me wanting to go into um oh, i don't know there's a boxing if personally that morally that doesn't really sit with me so yeah gotta think well what is it about an organisation yeah. or a particular sport that is what the reason for me wanting to get in there. And does that fit with my core values? And then start plotting your route um, to yeah. to getting there, to getting in. Is it join the local club? Is it make friends with the local centre manager? If, you know, it's as yeah. it's as basic yeah. as that. You've got you only you can do that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really interesting. I like that point around thinking about the organisation, the values, not just rushing into something if it's just a PA role in a sport that you're not interested in or something because you really are going to be the, the, 
the brand, you are the brand as well of this organisation. So you've got to well, absolutely believe in it. I think if I'm honest with you, that's probably why, as much as all the people were absolutely lovely at British Horse Racing Association, it's probably why it just didn't work for me because I spent uh, five, nearly six months there. And as I say, they were all just gems of people. So lovely. But yeah. just wasn't horse racing, just wasn't me. I just couldn't find that spark in me that, and I, yeah. you know, I feel it in my gut. It just, I couldn't feel that passion for the sport. And if yeah. I'm going to sell what I do and how I project the business and how I project the people I'm representing, I need to feel that real fire in my gut and I think I knew that and that's why I had to I had to leave there I thought it's not it's not going to work for me you know you've got to be honest with yourself yeah definitely that's really good piece of advice and we'll just finish off then the one the thing you love most about your job the top thing for you what is it top thing God. Making a difference, I think. I actually love making a difference to to people, to how people feel. And even if that's just my boss on a day when I've, you know, helped him achieve something, or whether it's, you know, some of our players that have asked me for help. Um, I'm currently managing a player returning, being repatriated to Fiji in a pandemic. Wow. And if we pull this off it is going to be a hell of an achievement yeah but that's what that's what i love it's like this guy he's out of contract he needs to get back home he's got you know he's got a big family they all need to get back to fiji and i'm helping him to get there and that for me is why i do what i do yeah brilliant Love it. Thank you so much, Emma. That's really been fascinating. Um, I'm sure everyone will love hearing about your journey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Emma's variety of experience really stood out to me. And I think it just goes to show how transferable skills from her marketing and advertising days have paid dividends to get her to where she is today. A key takeaway for me is just how passionate Emma is about embracing the brand and the values of the organisation that she works for and how vital it is to really fully commit to that organisation in order to be successful. If you found Emma's interview interesting and would like to know more, please check out the show notes for how you can get in touch and find out more about Emma.